This week on Intrigued, Full Effect. Just because a child walks freely out of their home doesn't mean that child has freely stayed away. Just because a child disappears doesn't mean she ran away. Go find those children. I'm Shandrea Thomas, and welcome to episode 13. In this podcast, I talk about curious cases, disappearances, and other stuff. And today I'm talking about the disappearance and murder of 16-year-old Jolie Musa from Alexandria, Virginia. I spoke to Jolie's aunt, Veronica Iyanga, about what happened and how she started a nonprofit called Not a Runaway in Jolie's honor. The goal of the organization is to help families who are searching for missing loved ones as they navigate the judicial system. She also talks about the signs of abuse that ultimately led to Jolie's death. So let's get right into this case. This is what happened. It was around 4.15 on January 12th of 2018 in Alexandria, Virginia. According to reports and family members, Jolie and her twin sister, Janet were spending time together while their father was out of town for work. Jolie was having a normal day with her twin sister, and things seemed to be going well. Then Jolie reportedly got a series of text messages and left the house at the 4200 block of Sonia Court that afternoon, saying she'd be right back. Then, at around 8 p.m., Jolie's twin got a text that Jolie was going to a party in Norfolk. That was the last communication the family got from Jolie's phone. This is what her aunt Veronica had to say about that night and the fierce search for Jolie and answers. Veronica Iyanga, the aunt of 16-year-old Jolie Musa, who disappeared in January of uh, 2018. She's here to talk about what happened with her niece and also her drive to help other families. She actually started a nonprofit organization called Not a Runaway. And I'm going to talk to her about her niece's case, as well as what the organization is about and why she got started with it all in the first place. So, Veronica, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Oh, absolutely. First, I just want to offer my condolences to your family because I know it's been a pretty rough year plus for you guys considering everything. And I know, you know, it, I'm sure it's still surreal for you right now. It's surreal. It still feels like it's all a nightmare or that we're watching some crazy movie. Yeah. So for those who may not be familiar with Jolie's case, um, tell me what happened to her on January 12th of 2018. Yeah, you know, it was just another afternoon. Nothing should have been ordinary. Um, nothing should have been extraordinary about that day. Jolie came home from school with her identical twin, Janae, and they make it to the house and they're sitting in the kitchen and Jolie is doing her sister's hair, pressing it, and then they're just having regular girl talk. And then the next thing we know, Jolie starts getting a bunch of text messages on her phone. We now know it was on Snapchat, but she's getting text messages and her sister's like, who are you talking to? And she's not trying to tell her. She's being cute about it. She's giggling. She's She seemed to be excited by whoever it was that she was talking to on the phone. Um, a, a little bit into it, um, she says to her sister, I'll be right back. I got to go do something real quick. I'll be right back. So she, you know, leaves her charger behind, her ID behind, her wallet behind, steps into her, uh, her shoes real quick because uh, it's cold outside. So she bundles up into a coat and then walks out that door. So when we see her walking away from the house on the home security, she's kind of smiling, looking down at her phone as she's walking out the door. And that is the last image we have of Jolie being alive and walking away of her own free will. 
Wow. So what happened? What did you guys discover of what happened to her that night? Well, what ends up happening is she disappears and um, her sister doesn't say anything to us for the day. Um, typical sister, typical anybody. She's trying to protect her sister just in case her sister's staying out a little bit later than um, it's supposed to be. So next thing um, Jeanne does is she texts her sister after about an hour or two of her not coming right back as she had professed to do. And she was like, hey, where are you? And her sister texts her back and says, uh, I'm going to um, Norfolk to a party. I'll be back later. And that was the end of it. So, of course, now, you know, her sister calls her to try to see what's going on. But um, Jolie doesn't pick up the phone and just lets it go into voicemail after it rings a little bit. So, again, the teens, like, she ignores it and just kind of goes on with her the rest of her night with whatever else they had planned to do. Now, the official cover story was they were going to be at a sleepover anyway. So from a family perspective, we had no reason to think anything was wrong. The only person who knew something was wrong at that moment in time was her twin who was just kind of like, wait a minute, you, you say you were going to go right back. You're supposed to go to this thing with me and you didn't come. And that was the end of it. Now, all night, um, her sister, uh, Jeanne, is calling her sister's phone and she's kind of holding this all to herself, this heavy burden all to herself. It's not until the following morning when she just says, there's something wrong. I haven't been able to get a hold of my sister all night long. And that's when she told the family. This is now Saturday when the rest of the family is being brought into the loop that there's something wrong with Jolie. At that point, you know, we reach out to her dad, who's, you know, again, on a undisclosed location overseas working and mom and everybody is flying into town because we were out of town for the weekend and weren't expecting anything to happen with the girls. We start looking for her on our own. We're driving around to different houses to see where she might have been or who she might be hanging out with. We call Fairfax County Police at that point in time. They don't show up until literally the next day on Sundays when they came. Um, so we've lost a whole day now of wondering what's going on with her. By Sunday, mom is now in town and the whole family is now in town. Um, and now there's a problem because we still haven't heard from her. We're calling her at this point. The phone is going straight into voicemail like it's completely powered off. And which, again, is not like her. But considering she left the house saying she'd be right back, it would be expected that she doesn't have a charger. But what we knew was that if Jolie was staying away of her own free will, she's the type of girl who didn't go too far without her phone. If she left her phone, uh, her car um, charger at the house and then decided to go to a party, she would have found a way to at least use someone else's charger or to find some money to buy one. But again, she left her ID and everything at the house. So where is a, four, uh, a 16 year old girl supposed to get money to do something like that? We continue to call um, the police to try to take this seriously. They entered her into the database, and now she's classified as a runaway. We know our girl. We know this is very uncharacteristic. She is an A-B student, an honor student in her school. She is focused on her academics. She has a birthday coming up in a few months. She's trying to get a car. There is absolutely no way Jolie would do anything to jeopardize the amazing future she had laid up in front of her. But yet the police and law enforcement are telling us she's a runaway. Why? Because they saw her walk out of the door smiling and did not appear to be in duress. So for the next two weeks, my family and I single-handedly continued to promote the fact that Jolie was missing. We took our pain public and Sarita, her mother, shared the family's agony as she displayed, described to the community who Jolie was so that they can feel like they knew her and empower them to go out there and go help us find our child. 
And so when the police let us down, when the so-called Amber Alert let us down, we had a community of people who didn't even know us, who put up a lot just to help us. Days turned into weeks as the family and community continued to search for Jolie. About a week later, the Amber Alert finally gets sounded for her. This is a week after she's been missing. So a week after she disappears and Amber Alert goes out? We finally get an alert. Okay. And at this point, again, we have never had as a family any relationship with a missing child or missing situation. We've only seen it as far as TV is concerned. But we do know there's something called an Amber Alert that when a child goes missing, we thought the purpose of the Amber Alert was that it would ring the alarms and everyone was going to look for her. During this very painful period, we were going to learn differently. Mm. So two weeks later, Okay, Uh, we start to see it. We get um, police show up at the house. They want to take fingerprints of the family and the immediate family um, and just start doing blood samples. Just, you know, basic protocol stuff. Then the family gets some shocking news. Then um, the news report and everybody starts to report it. A body has been found at a park less than a mile from our house. Oh, wow. So, so, so let me ask you this. Once you guys got this information that you were seeing on the news about a body being found, how long after that was, was it from when she disappeared? It was now exactly two weeks to the day. She so was what, found that Friday, February the 26th. What did you feel inside when you heard about this body being found? Did you think it was her? It, it, it was surreal. It was not her. It was not Jolie. I could deal with the fact that maybe she had been trafficked. Maybe she was kidnapped. Maybe she was being held hostage because in every one of those situations, we could repair her. We could fix her. We could get her the treatment and the help she needed to live a fulfilling life. Okay. But the murder of Jolie was never on the table for discussion or for consideration. Jolie's body was found at a park near her home. She died from smothering and blunt force trauma. So when they told us this, and then they brought us, you know, evidence that it was her, it was like everything came tumbling down. Now, we had had two weeks to prepare for this situation, okay? But my heart broke in a million pieces because all I could say is, do you still think she's a runaway? Do runaway girls walk off their house? And less than a mile away, they just drop down and die. Is that really what you thought was happening? It breaks my heart because as a mom myself, as a family member, as an auntie, she was my little daughter. She's my surrogate daughter that I never had. I asked myself, if we had taken just a little bit more precaution, paid a little bit more attention, taken her case a little bit more seriously, could Jolie have been found alive? And that is a question that haunts me to this day. We orchestrated search parties. We were in that park that Jolie was found in. But because we were just parents and families and friends hunting for our daughter, looking in the shrubs, looking in the bushes was never up for discussion. We didn't have that kind of background or even inkling to think we were standing less than 100 feet from where she was to be found later on in two weeks. Had they started searching in our backyard, had they been more aggressive and searched everywhere you could possibly hide somebody, 
Could they have found her and made our agony smaller and shorter? Again, these are the questions that continue to pain me as a human being, as a woman, as a mother, as Jolie's aunt. And this is what continues to drive my passion because if they had looked, maybe we could have saved her, maybe we couldn't. And to this day, we'll never know. It turns out that Jolie's ex-boyfriend, Nibiu Ibrahim, who was 17 at the time, already had felony charges from an assault on Jolie. And the family thought that relationship was over, but it may have continued in secret. As I was researching the story, um, it looks like there was a guy that she was dating and there was some sort of abusive relationship. Can you explain that to me, some of that, so people can understand what the situation is with the case? So, again, it wasn't a guy she was actively dating. Jolie, like any girl, has had boyfriends. This was a guy that she thought loved her. Okay, in her young stage of mind, she felt like this was love. Okay, they'd had some situations in the past where he got aggressive with her. He had attempted to choke her before. He had been violent with her. But Jolie was candid with the family and told us what was going on. She was given clues and tips and education of how to walk away. And just at Christmas, she was telling us it was over. At Thanksgiving dinner, she was telling us she had handled it. We thought the situation was handled. Now, on this particular day, she was talking with somebody on Snapchat. What's important to note is that it wasn't a direct call through. So if it was the ex-boyfriend calling her, he knew her number, but he didn't call her directly using his phone. Why not? He then stopped some kid at a park to use their phone to communicate with her. Why? Mm. And then she leaves the house. Now, when she's leaving the house at this point, and again, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm not giving you a subject matter expert. I'm just talking as a woman at this point. Did she leave her house thinking she was meeting somebody new and then he tricked her and it ended up being him and then he's even more mad about it? That is a question I will never, ever know the answer to. But what I do know is my niece left this house trusting that the person she was going to meet with was going to be somebody that she can count on. And that's not what happened. The family says it was a toxic and abusive relationship. And in the midst of the search for Jolie as a missing person, another interesting fact came up. The suspect was actually arrested on January the 18th on that past assault. And here's another thing. His home was walking distance from Woodlawn Park, where Jolie's body was found. A total of 12 search warrants were issued in the case. Now we've learned, it's been made public, that the boyfriend was arrested Okay, he was immediately arrested as a person of interest because of the prior domestic violence um, orders that had been against him, which are all public record. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then um, uh, I believe it was in August of this past year, formal charges were officially done and he is still incarcerated. And we are waiting um, to go to trial in um, in June. Your niece's case is going. The family is trying to deal with everything and all of that. At what point do you decide to start? the organization? It was about 30 days after she was found. It was almost immediate because throughout this entire ordeal for two weeks, I was sitting here, the whole family was sitting here, not understanding there was a legitimate danger and a problem in front of us, but it seemed like nobody cared except for us and our friends and family and adopted community that brought us in as their surrogate family. But those who had the power to do something about it, their hands 
were tied. They were not even caring because they kept saying, we're taking her serious, but she's a runaway. And by saying she's a runaway, it meant we got a fraction of the resources that are made available to an Amber Alert candidate, for instance. And so when this entire ordeal went through, when they finally found Jolie, you're so filled with bitter remorse, so filled with so many angry thoughts, but you don't know who you're angry with. Was this God's will? Is this what he had written in the cards for Jolie all along? Or did we dramatically let her down? Because if we let her down, like I believe we did, we owe her a debt that is so great it could never be repaid back. And so during this whole ordeal, as we were planning her funeral, me, my sister, my brother-in-law, we were just so angry about this situation that it was like, listen, I'm not going to sit around and cry about this situation with Jolie and not do something about it. What are we going to do? Okay, because this is not acceptable. It's not acceptable that families have to defend their children's honor when we tell you they have gone missing. When a criminal commits an act of violence, he is given reasonable doubt. We automatically assume he's innocent until we can prove that he's guilty. But when a teenager goes missing, we automatically assume they ran away. They are hard-headed. They are a troubled child before we assume they could possibly be in danger. It seems to me we've got that flipped around. A child that is under 18 does not have the legal capacity, okay, to give consent for anything. So when I tell you my child didn't make it home today and we need you to go find her, go find her. It is with that passion that we decided to create an organization called Not a Runaway. And that's a testament to what was being said about Jolie. We were tarnishing her reputation, her good name, her legacy by saying, okay, in so many words, she was a troubled youth, a spoiled brat who ran away from home and couldn't deal with whatever trouble she might have been at home with. All of which were completely a contradiction to who Jolie was. And so Not A Runaway was designed to help us do for others what we couldn't get done for ourselves, which was to help create a a, a public platform that was as loud as the Amber Alert, but on a social media level where we could rally a whole community of people to start sharing posters of this child and start looking for this child in as many different places as they can. Because when we couldn't get an Amber Alert issue, we were able to create our own Jolie Alert and we had nearly 50, 60, 70,000 people across the nation and counting that were helping us look for Jolie in all places. When you say 60,000 people, how do you come up with that particular number? Well, we, we actually started, uh, we went public with our pain and we took to social media. And we created a page on social media, it's called Find Jolie. And within a matter of days, we had 50, 60,000 members in our group. We would post a video and it would get shared 100,000 times uh, at a time. We would track the visitors on that particular page. The hits were off the roof. We got emails from all over the place. We got calls from press all over the place. This was a high-profile situation. The FBI got involved within four days while the police were still claiming she's a runaway. Is that website, is, is that Facebook page still up? Yeah, the Facebook page is still up. It's called Not a Runaway. 
Um, if you look it up, um, you'll see the page for Not A Runaway, but you're looking for a group called Not A Runaway. Um, we renamed it after Jolie was found. Um, and so that's where we are now. So we still have our members in the group. And now what we're trying to do is to use this uh, uh, magnificent pl platform we found ourselves in to offer a voice that's loud for other families of other missing kids that don't get the notoriety that an Amber Alert could give them. You know what? It was interesting. We were having that conversation as we, when we first talked about uh, the case and, and your organization and how there are people kind of sporadically put across the country, just kind of positioned and doing their own thing. Like you're doing what you're doing. I'm doing the stories that I'm doing. There's various people that I've connected with since I've been doing the stories on missing person, you know, missing people of color. And it seems like eventually I'm hoping at some point we can all kind of become one or in some way. Exactly. Yeah, this is kind of start, part of that process, but because it it becomes more of a network, you know, of, of 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 us helping each other to try to make all of these things happen. So, with the organization, what have you guys been able to accomplish so far? So, what we did was during the very first uh, months, again, you know, everything is raw, and this is how I'm dealing with the loss of Jolie. Is that we? We're, I'm just jumping into work. You know, the emotions are still raw. So, you know, Sarita, the mom, she's got to deal with her other daughter as well as her own emotion along with dad. The entire immediate family moves out of the state of Virginia because the pain is so raw. It's like the state let us down. The county let us down. The city let us down. Everything about that state, you know, hurts our skin and our spirit because of how it took something really precious from us. But I'm still here. My sister is still here, and my brother-in-law is still here, along with our mother. And so since this was Jolie's backyard, we do not want her name to ever be forgotten. We want to try to make a name and build her legacy so as many kids as we could possibly keep safe in Jolie's name, our mission will have been accomplished. So mm -hmm. since we started, one of the very first things we actually did was we um we we started to attend missing children forums in the DC area um so we attended a couple just to kind of see how magnific magnificent this issue was i mean we never realized how many african american children specifically teenage double digit 11 and older go missing and an amber alert is never issued in fact they're just simply labeled run away or voluntarily walked away which means we're not looking for her in other words and so by going there and starting to see this we realized there was a miseducation because if these kids were willingly running away maybe they didn't fully understand the gravity of their decisions at that moment in time so the first task that Not A Runaway did was during the summer uh, of 2018, we actually pulled together a group of girls and we ran an advocacy leadership camp, okay, called the Girls Rock Leadership Camp. During that camp session, for two solid weeks, 40, uh, 80 hours, we immersed these girls into the world of the missing. We took them to meet with local jurisdiction police from the tri-state area they went down and had a tour of the Missing and Exploited Children's Center in Alexandria. We met with families of other missing children so that these girls could understand what it meant to advocate and what the pain felt like for those that were left behind. And then we took these girls on Capitol Hill so that they could start petitioning for changes to the Amber Alert. We wanted them to get passionate because as an adult, I can fight this battle about the Amber Alert, but it doesn't directly impact me. But as youth with their voice, 
it impacts them dramatically because how scary is it for one of them to know that if you disappeared, you're going to be labeled a runaway unless somebody sees you getting snatched up. Okay. We want these girls to put their voice to the law so that we can help drive change. Mm -hmm. It was magnificent. So that was the first thing we did. The next thing that we did was on a regional level, we threw the first ever region wide missing children um, awareness event. We pulled police officers from D.C., Virginia, and Maryland into one room. And we also held an Amber Alert forum where the public was able to ask questions for the first time ever about this Amber Alert and have the various localities answer how each of them addresses and handles these and what the protocols and the process looks like. Again, we felt it was very phenomenal. On August 30th of 2018, Fairfax County Police charged Jolene's 17-year-old boyfriend with first-degree murder. There were also media reports that Jolie had received calls from the phone of a 12-year-old boy on January the 12th. And when family members spoke to the boy, he said that a man had asked him to use the phone. There was also word that Ibrahim finally confessed to the crime after a four-hour interview with police. By the time August is hitting and we're putting on this Missing Children Awareness event, we get official word is published to the community. Official charges are now done. And the word domestic violence, teen domestic violence gets thrown into the mix. So now suddenly we have another voice that we need to attack. How is it that as a woman, I didn't know this was going on, that she was still involved with this guy, that she was still in, in, in his raps? How is it that we didn't give her the tools to be able to really walk away and cut the loose? I have all these unspoken questions in my head about how I feel I personally failed her because I could have done more. So knowing that I could never give this lesson to Jolie and I can't ever take back what happened to her and the pain she suffered at the hands of somebody she thought loved her, we decided to take on the um, a teen domestic violence as a platform as well. So then in August, we held a, uh, in September, I'm sorry, we held a missing children, uh, we, we held a, uh, an, uh, a mother-daughter brunch on teen domestic violence. And we were fortunate to pull a group of 80 moms and their daughters. And we offered brunch. We had speakers come out. So again, that made me happy because once again, we continue to make strides in her name. So while those bigger public initiatives are going on, behind the scenes, we're still meeting with legislators. We're still trying to see if we can make amendments to the Amber Alert or at least stretch it some way. How is her twin sister doing right now? Oh, my gosh. Janae makes me so proud. She is getting counseling. Um, but the the wisdom that she has gained as a result of this experience is so humbling. It's like I still have problems talking about Jolie. There are so many things about her that are just personal that we'll never share. But when you talk to her twin... She talks to her like she talks to her every day. She talks about everything. She holds nothing back. And when I watch her or I listen to her, my heart just wants to break into a million pieces because of how strong she has become in this past year. It's, it's funny how sometimes you don't know how strong you are until you're put into a situation where strong is all that you can afford to be. Mm. And Janae makes us so incredibly proud to know her. 
so incredibly proud to share blood with her. Okay. And to be able to call her my niece. Mm -hmm. If you were able to give Jolie some wisdom and knowledge, what would you say if you had that opportunity? Because these words that are coming from you right now could be very impactful for someone who's listening to this. What would you have said to her that you didn't get a chance to say? Love should never hurt. I don't care how much he says, I'm sorry. I don't care how much he makes you feel good. When a man or a woman, okay, when somebody loves you, they will lift you up and keep you up at all times. They will never tear you down. And the first time somebody pushes you, makes you feel less than you deserve or hurts you, don't go back because it's not going to stop. They never do it just once. If I could hold Jolie in my hands, in my arms right now and hug her, I would almost want to escape with her. But until she understands that she is worth so much more, Jolie, we love you so much. And you have such an amazingly powerful future. But sometimes we let love get the best of us in our quest to want to be loved so bad. We think this is what we want to do in our little girl minds. We make decisions that impact our lives in our big girls minds. We continue to make decisions, but until she's ready to gain that knowledge, to understand what love is and is not man, if I can turn back the hands of time, as far as the families that you have been able to help since uh, your niece passed away, what are you hearing from those families? How many people have you guys been able to help and what is your, your end goal? Okay, very so that so we've actually so since January we have actually been able to work with three independent families that have reached out to us to use our platform. We had one family in North Carolina whose daughter went missing for approximately almost a month and then thankfully she was recovered. Okay, so we're really fortunate to have had a hand in that entire process of helping them get the word out. We've had two other families that we've also been able to work with. Um, one is still actively missing. Um, it has been six months. And the story there is they are a runaway. But again, how does a 17 year old child get up to go to school and just vanish? OK, so we, we've, we've just got to do better as a community. The end goal for us is I don't care if this child is black, white or purple. I don't care if they're poor or rich. Anytime anybody under the age of 18 disappears, if she can't even legally vote, she can't legally sign a contract, she can't legally even consent to anything, I need to know where that child is. Now, I do understand there are cases that what I've, I've, which, which we've discovered in this process where the child does legitimately run away in order to escape a harmful situation at home. In those cases, we still just need to know that child is safe, even if the child is not brought back into their household. But when a parent tells you they have no idea where their child is and law enforcement tells you they have no idea where that child is, that child is considered endangered, period. And I think we just need to do away with the whole word runaway and start looking at these kids as simply missing, endangered, and go find them until we can guarantee somebody that they are of safe uh, mind and body somewhere.
Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would like people to know as far as um, maybe sharing on social media? What would you say to folks who have been helping you throughout this whole process? I, I can't begin to say thank you enough. If we didn't have the support that we had, Jolie could have become another nameless, faceless, missing black girl. But we went public and the community rallied around us. People we didn't know in countries we didn't know in cities we didn't know were offering to make donations. They were offering to print, to design, to search. I mean, when we did a canvas, they came in from out of town to assist us. That is family on a whole nother level. And to everyone, we have created a sisterhood bond that will be with us until we are no longer naturally on this earth. I just want to say thank you. And by sharing, we as a community are making sure that even when the legislation is not on our side, we have allowed enough voice to be able to make a change. And by sharing these missing posters, by talking about these missing kids, we will continue to work collectively to drive the change that our children desperately need. Again, just because a child walks freely out of their home doesn't mean that child has freely stayed away. Just because a child disappears doesn't mean she ran away. Go find those children. When you reflect back on the whole situation and the whole scenario over that two-week period when you were searching and you were trying to get the word out about Jolie, is there anything that you would have done differently? Not at all. I think that we went public. I think that the local media started to help us. I think that the community came to our aid. I think that as a family, we did what our knowledge allowed us to do. What we didn't know is what the law enforcement people knew, which was look in the gutter, look in the trash can, look in the bushes. Those are the things we did not know. So if I had to do this all over again, I would want them to go find Jolie the night she disappeared and find her sooner rather than two weeks later in the woods. I think we're now part of a very exclusive club um, of parents and family members of murdered and missing children. And I think um, the bond that we now have as a man-made family is so great that we have to continue to help ourselves. We have to continue to keep our kids safe, even in spite of them. So even if those child are willfully running away or walking away from their house, you know, we still have to go find them and ensure that these babies are safe because again, they know not what they do. And it's our job as adults to keep them safe. All right. Veronica Iyanga. I like your name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time today and um, hopefully that, you know, things will move forward with your organization and p more people can get involved and, It'll spread and we can all be connected with this because, you know, getting the word out about people, especially when we're missing and you're young and all of that, we need to get that information out to people as quickly as possible. And it yes. needs to be recognized and understood that they are not always a runaway. Absolutely. And if you have a family member that does go missing and it's a teenager and they're not getting traction, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us online at www.notarunaway.org. We're very responsive. We want to help. Um, there's a whole community of people that like to do things like this. We are now part of that community. Let us be your vehicle. Thank okay. you so much again for this platform. Absolutely.
When it comes to my final thoughts about the case, it's simply horrific that Jolie's young life was taken from her because she was a young woman with a bright future. I also wonder how many cases are classified as runaway when the person was taken against their will and murdered. It's also important to think about the previous record of abuse and the impact on what ultimately happened to Jolie. At the same time, her family is working to do what they can to keep others from facing the same tragedy and fate as Jolie. And it's clear that knowing the signs of abuse is the first step to survival. I think the mission of Not a Runaway is awesome because if the family can't get an Amber Alert or media coverage, they do have the strategy of using social media as a form of an Amber Alert. And that can reach thousands of people at one time. And we all know the power of social media. And here's some other information to walk away with. Experts say over 2,100 kids go missing every single day. And according to the FBI, nearly 35% of missing persons cases are kids under 18 years old. As for Ibrahim, he's set to go on trial for first-degree murder charges and is facing life in prison. I'll be sure to keep you updated as I get that information in. Thank you for listening to my season one finale. Now I will be on a short hiatus while I move to Arizona for my new job as an anchor and investigative reporter in Arizona. So that's some good stuff. And you know, my storytelling won't stop. So I will be back with more stories and I will give you updates on the stories that I covered in season one. If you have any cases that you want me to check out, just visit me on the Intrigued Full Effect website or via email at intriguedfulleffect at hotmail.com. Until season two, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities in connection with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. Any copyright material in the podcast is approved by the owner or as part of the public domain. Music by Pond5.